0: back welcome into another episode of chasing 1969 a new york jets podcast today is wednesday may 3rd episode 51 of the show uh the 2023 nfl draft is officially in the books we're gonna go through our draft recap here for the new york jets talk about some post-draft roster needs where we still need the jets to kind of figure things out news and notes all that fun stuff Uh, before i get to teddy and before we get into the show make sure to give us a follow on twitter at nyj underscore chasing 69 same as the youtube page (laughs) teddy is at teddy huncho i am at spring blake with four a's in there why i don't know i just it was the fewest i could get teddy how you doing
1: doing good buddy feels good to uh to finally get this draft draft in there um Mm -hmm. And I'm always—it always makes me chuckle when we talk about your your Twitter handle and the four A's. So that's good too.
0: Yeah, I don't know. At you know, four seems like a, it's not too many. I just have to make sure that everybody can find no, me on no. there. It's not the most. One of these days, I'll actually be—I'll be able to get that actual account. So
1: you're telling me Spring Blake is taken. Just Spring three other Blake times is taken all
0: those other A's. Yep. 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 That's pretty nuts. I know.
1: That's pretty nuts. I didn't think feel... anyone else would have ever come up with that name. Makes me feel I mean, I very guess it's unoriginal, not that hard break, Blake, yeah. Makes me feel unoriginal. You are pretty lame.
0: Yeah. Oh well, it happens. Uh, Teddy, before we get into the draft, we're going to go through each pick, talk about our thoughts on the class as a whole, talk about guys individually as well too. Um, there are a few news and notes from around the world of Jetsland. Obviously, the last time we recorded the show, Aaron Rodgers was officially traded to the New York Jets. Um, in the past week we've seen a lot of him he was first giving an introductory press conference in front of a ton of local and and, and mainstream media uh, alongside Robert Sala and Joe Douglas um, he was then seen later in the week at Knicks uh, Heat game one he was at the Rangers game six um, he's currently with Sauce Gardner at game two of uh, Nick's Heat oh, yeah. MSG currently so he is making sure that he is uh putting himself in good graces with the entire New York fan base. We also seen some uh, some good reps of him thrown to Garrett Wilson on uh, on uh, some OTAs as well. And then he was on the Pat McAfee show on the day that we're recording as well, too. So a whole lot of Aaron Rodgers. Does it feel real to you now seeing this here and, and seeing him wearing the eight in the practice jersey? Like, how has this kind of first week now uh, been with having him in in New York?
1: No, yeah. I mean, the first the first step was just finally seeing him in, in the Jets gear, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. getting out of the car, wearing that. He's got that black uh, Jets sweatshirt that Sala would wear on game days that they just don't sell online, which is so frustrating because I want that it so dumb. bad. If anyone's yeah. listening, can hook it up, let me know. <laughs> um, but, no, that was awesome. Obviously, seeing him, like, bond with the team is cool. Um, and, you know, get get his appearances in with these young guys. Um, I do like, like 100%. Like you said, does it feel real? Like the moment where it really clicked for me, like it obviously had before, but seeing him in that red practice jersey, you know, yeah. and there's just something about like that familiar sight from going to training camp in, in Cortland in years past. And like just seeing him out there working out in that red eight Jets practice jersey was just like an awesome, awesome feeling. Um, and I do want to bring up too, like the whole idea of him. Like it's kind of been this big story that, you know, when was the last time that he went to voluntary workouts with the Packers? Um, and, you know, it was like 10 years ago or something like that, like eight years ago. Yeah. Um, but here he is uh, for the Jets, you know, and he's completely bought in and he's there. Um, And I do think on one hand, it's kind of like, well, yeah, he's got to get used to these new players and it kind of makes sense. But, but you really just see like, He's not just cashing in a check. He's not saying, Hey, I can make a lot of money continuing to play, going to this new team. Like they are trying to win a Super Bowl. You know, like the best part about his press conference was he's thinking about winning the Super Bowl, you know, and and to have that mindset this early and to know like you got to put in the work day in, day out as a team, every single guy to really like get to where you want to go, you know, like that's how that's how it starts. So seeing him and knowing you know we're about to go on this journey where it's like hey it probably it's very likely it won't end in a super bowl but the fact that we're going to go
0: and, and just try to get after it is it's exciting as hell super exciting yeah i totally agree it's um you know i didn't even mention as well too they put out the the teaser trailer for um uh flight 23 On Twitter earlier this week and and seeing at the end Aaron Rodgers kind of holding it up and being Aaron Rodgers flight 23 and hitting the click it's like man this shit is real I, I totally agree with what you're saying you know and this is the third kind of pattern what Aaron is doing now with the Jets that we've seen over the last few years first Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers then Matthew Stafford going to the Rams and all of them have talked about how exciting that it, that new fresh chapter and that, you know, getting that fresh start and learning all the nuances of, okay, how does this other organization work daily? Like, where's the equipment room? Like I got to meet all these people, get comfortable. It's like a, what they've, uh, they've all kind of made this correlation. It's like the first day of school at a new school. And you're just like, there's so much excitement going into it. It's a fresh start. Um, and, and he's talked about, uh, and I, I listened to this, a clip on the McAfee show earlier today, he talked about the fact that it was like, you know, it wasn't boring in Green Bay, but when you do it for 18 years, it's just this monotonous, like you're used to it at this point. But then it's just a fresh, exciting chapter, um, you know, and, and anybody who started a new chapter, whether it be work or moving, everybody kind of feels that new excitement early on. So it's, it's cool to see him in that part of his life and knowing that, you know, he, he came to this situation with the Jets because he knows the ultimate goal is to win a Super Bowl and the Jets have a, a team that is equipped to do that. So that's been a lot of fun. The eight is throwing me for a loop. I'm so used to the twelve, I really am. That the seeing the eight yeah, jersey is kind of weird.
1: It's funny too that it's like Elijah Moore's number, yeah, like exactly. just because you know it's a guy that we've been so familiar with the past two years. But I I don't think it's going to uh, it's not going to take long for us yeah. to get used to it. No. Um, no. just just to to say one more thing on on Rogers, um, talking about like his breath of fresh air to me it's just awesome to see like like people have all their opinions about Aaron Rodgers and you know he can kind of seem like a douche during his pressers like uh for the packers and stuff and like i do think so much of that came from a place where like the organization that he was working for and the coach and the gm like like were not in line with what he wanted you know and it's like whether you he handled it correctly or not or whatever it's like it's got to be difficult to go up there and and be working with people who just kind of like, aren't seeing eye to eye with you. So the fact that now he's with the jets and he doesn't at least, you know, until something terribly goes wrong, like he doesn't have to play that game of like, I'm trying to kind of make myself look good, be separate from this organization and and these guys' decisions and whatever, like to just see them all kind of be bought in, you know, and it's like, he's an older guy, you know, to see him and Salah and Joe Douglas, just like, as a three-headed monster leading this team, and and just kind of being in line and and happy and 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 not, I guess just like content as opposed to feeling like you have to bump heads all the time. That has just been like, it's good to see Rogers like that, you know, to see him smiling a bunch and and stuff like that.
0: And the Jets did a great job before Rodgers was coming in of making sure that this was going to be a comfortable transition. It's not like everything is new. That playbook, they already know what they're going to be running on offense with Nathaniel Hackett because they had a ton of great success there in Green Bay those two years. Yes, he wasn't the play caller, but he was in the room. He did a lot of the red zone packages, goal line situations. So they know exactly kind of what that offense is already going to look like. You pair him up with Lazard. You bring in one of his receivers as well, too. You've got other pieces moving around there as well, too. And to kind of transition things over as well, kind of a, a a move that I didn't even I missed. You know, I was doing research on just like Jets news over the last week. I didn't remember seeing this come out, but the Jets did sign offensive lineman Billy Turner, um, who spent a couple of years. Um, At tackle uh, for the Packers, I believe 2019 to 2021 this past season, he started seven games for the uh, Broncos with Nathaniel Hackett as their head coach. Just another guy that, you know, when you were piecing together offseason moves and like, okay, what position do the Jets need? What are some names that have attachments to Rogers and Nathaniel Hackett? Turner was a guy that came up briefly for us, um, and, and now he's in here, too um good depth piece of tackle we'll get into the draft stuff that Jets really didn't address tackle until day three so another veteran option in here any thoughts on uh, on the signing of billy turner
1: you know none in particular other than you know it's good to get depth good to get a guy like that he's you know familiar with the system familiar with being with rogers and hackett so you know always good to have bodies on that offensive line guys that can kind of work in and, and, you know, he's a guy that's at least started some games has that experience. So that's positive.
0: Yeah, definitely. start. I think he started almost that entire tenure there while he was with green Bay, 2019 to 2021. So definitely has the experience there. If he's relied on it's a, it's a nice to have, because at, at this point when you're taking a look at the jets depth at offensive tackle, it was a lot of youth, you know, Max Mitchell, obviously they bring in the, the fourth round pick from uh, Pittsburgh there. Carter Warren. So you've got some young guys at the depth there, but it's nice to have a guy that's been around the league, that's been with the offensive coordinator, that's been with the quarterback. So you can rely on it a little bit more so than just saying, "Hey, young guys, go in there and figure it out on the fly if they have to." Because at the end of the day, we're still hoping that our starting tackles next year are Mackai Becton and Dwayne Brown. um To transition into the last kind of news and notes as well, too, uh, the Jets announced earlier today uh, that they will not be picking up the fifth-year option of offensive tackle, thirteenth overall pick, Mackai Becton. Was he thirteen? I believe he was thirteen.
1: Yeah. 11
0: or 11 or or 13. I I know it was him. 13. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those two tackles. Yeah. So the fifth year option not picked up. Obviously, it's been a frustrating uh, beginning to to Becton's career with, you know, derailed by injuries at different points, Um, you know, questions at different points in his career about work ethic, keeping his body in good shape. Um, so, he, he, you know, he's entering the last year of his rookie contract now. Um, were you surprised at all by the decision to not pick up the fifth year? And, and then what are your overall thoughts on the Jets decision to not do so?
1: Yeah, honestly, no, not surprised at all. Um, I mean, you look at what Makai Beckton's career has been over three years and it's been, you know, a, a solid first six games where he looked awesome, like a home run pick. And then really he hasn't played since, you know. Um, so to me, it's like if the Jets go ahead and pick up that fifth year option, you're kind of just saddling yourself to an asset who, you know, if Makai Becton goes out and gets injured again this year, like what are you really doing? You know, like you're not gonna be looking to bring him back. Um, it sucks. Like, I I'm a I'm a Makai Becton guy, I believe in him. I I you know, obviously saw him play really well when he was able to be out on the field. He's looking awesome. He's lost a ton of weight, but that doesn't kind of change the fact of like, this is a guy who's played six games in the three years that he's been here. And, you know, hasn't proved that you can rely on him yet. So if we go another year and Makai Becton isn't, you know, available to us or or isn't able to perform, it's like cut bait at that point. You know, why are we holding on for a fifth year? For a guy who's drafted 11th, you know, that's a big price tag. So, you know, I think it's fair on both ends. It's just like this guy hasn't been able to go out and prove it. We're not going to pick up your deal. If you go out and prove it this year, you know, we'll sign you. We'll we'll get that, that contract extension done. But if you, you know, don't and, and underperform, it's kind of like cut your losses and, and try to move on and, and address
0: tackle somewhere else. And that last part that you just said is really my big takeaway from it, because I agree. I wasn't necessarily surprised by them not picking up, but it's a lofty price there as a, as a you know, top half of the draft as well, too, to pick up. And the tackles, tackles make good money these days as well, too. This is a a, a good thing for Beckton. I think it adds a little bit more fuel to the fire heading into the season. I think he already is very determined, as you can see on his social media and just through his press conferences. Like, he wants to make this right. And, and now you're also entering a situation where things go well, you could really cash in on this opportunity. Say that say say you don't need that fifth year option. Maybe you go in and you ball out and you're there 17 games. You're helping this team in the postseason run. Like you could matt, you know, really help yourself in ter- in terms of securing a second contract. Um, maybe with the Jets, maybe with somewhere else. It really just depends. But I think this adds a little bit more fuel to the flame for himself. Um, a little bit more of that chip on that shoulder where he's gonna come in. And and I don't think he should be surprised by the decision. I think he should understand that, you know, these first few years have been a little bit up and down and mostly down for him Um, but he has a great opportunity here because he is still going to enter this season as as one of the projected starters at tackle and you know, for things to go well on a team where there's going to be a lot of spotlight at the tackle position for him, um, for a team that is going to be featured as, you know, one of the more interesting offenses to take a look at across the league. He's a guy that if all things go well, he could really cash in from this situation. So hoping it all goes well for him as well, too. Wasn't too surprised by, by, the, um, by the announcement itself um and and yeah hopefully hopefully things are on the up and up for mecca uh i always say that it's mckay i should just i gotta switch to Mackay yeah back then whatever I, I do
1: that um how many times does a guy like like play really well in their contract year and then kind of always. just like mail it in the next year always. it's like it's like go ahead and do that you know like have a dominant year help us win a super bowl or, or you know do whatever we're gonna do and And at least give us that, you know, obviously, I'd love this guy to be our starter for the next six years. But but if you're going to do anything, you know, at least give us one great year and give us a chance to uh, win the Super Bowl this year.
0: Ball out (laughs) and then go get paid. If it's not by the Jets, you know, good luck in your next destination. But, yeah, these situations, it it happens all the time. A guy is, you know, he's did not disrespected but he's got a chip on his shoulder and and he goes out there especially with the injuries or the effort and then you can see he's been putting a lot of effort this offseason so you know that part's already there but yeah this this could this could pay out huge for him i know it might be looked at as like a bad thing when a guy's fifth year doesn't get picked up but he could turn this into a really good situation for himself
1: yeah it's uh it's gonna be like a, a dramatic and and you know, anxiety inducing uh, saga, I guess, to, to watch over the next year. Um, Just because like, you know, there's going to be all the buildup and then he's going to have, there's going to be preseason games, which hopefully he doesn't play in at all. But then, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he got injured basically the second he touched the field last year. Um, So it's just one of those things where like, it's going to be, a, you know, we're going to be thinking about it in training camp. And then throughout the year, we're going to be thinking about it. And then, you know, at the end of the year, it's are we going to re, are we going to resign this guy or what's going to happen? You know, it's just going to be something that that we're we going to be talking about for probably the next year, um, which, you know, it's just interesting.
0: Could be a good thing. Could be could be good talk. Could be a good opening. thing. Could be a good thing. All right, Teddy, let's kick I'm it over to the forum. Let's kick it over to the big, the big topic of the weekend. Obviously the jets just concluded and every team in the league concluded their 2023 NFL draft class. Um, We're going to start over with some kind of general thoughts on the class and then dive into some specifics, but give me your thoughts. We talked a little bit beforehand. It wasn't last year, you know, the excitement where we get sauce at four Garrett Wilson at 10 and trade up for Jermaine with Brees in the early second. It wasn't, you know, this, this, you know, huge, crazy class again, but just in terms of it overall, what are your thoughts on what the Jets were able to do uh, this past weekend?
1: Yeah, I think I think this is is you know, the exact opposite of last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, just in terms of like last year, you had, you know, four picks in the first 32 or whatever it was where or 34 where, mm-hmm. um, you know, like regardless of of anything that you thought, it's like based on draft profiles and prospects and and general consensus it's, it's like these guys nailed this right they hit it up, out of the park and that's what happens when you have three first rounds and a second and and all these picks this year it's very much like we drafted a bunch of guys and you can have high opinions of them you can have low opinions of them but it's really just going to come down to like are these guys able to stick and and really get their feet under them and perform and you know in a draft where huge elite talents surefire starters weren't really all over the place you know it's definitely more of like that depth draft where it feels like you know we were drafting just to really sure up some of these spots that we have on our roster that are important spots um so you know maybe not the most exciting but overall generally i do like mostly what the jets were able to go out and do with the limited picks that they had um but you know it's easy to sit here and, and, and be positive or negative about it. And and it's like, this is the draft. It really does come down to like how these guys work out, but overall, I'd say pretty medium feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not super, super overexcited, not super under excited about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, certain picks I love, certain picks I'm okay with, certain picks it's like, you know, it was a mixed bag of everything. I think one of the things that you just landed on and, and is a huge talking point of this Jets class in particular is just the fact of this class wasn't star-studded. It wasn't like you're sitting there at pick 10 and Garrett Wilson is available and you're not getting a, you know, there, there's, there was a lack of elite talent. So what I think the Jets and a few other teams in the league, another one being my Indianapolis Colts at that point, is just betting on traits. And this has been something that has been picked up the last few years and kind of just taking a look at like, OK, in these mid rounds or maybe even the earlier rounds in a draft like this where it's not as big, uh, you know, high end talent is like, let's just try and and trust our coaching staff to get the most out of some of the freakiest athletes. And boy, oh boy, did the Jets do a fucking knock out of the park job of bringing in athletes. You know, one of the biggest things over the last three or four drafts that is being tracked now is ras relative athletic score out of certain athletes and it takes into um it takes into account your measurables how you perform at the combine all basically just you as an athlete taking your performance away off of the field and just saying as an athlete how do you stack up over the last you know 20 30 years the jets finished this year's draft with the Highest average uh, RAS out of um, any team in the league. Um, and, and there was just about every pick was about a nine point something or above. So it really didn't take much mediocre talent. So it's a zero to 10 scale. I it, Most people that are listening have heard of this just because it really has been popularized over the last few years. If you haven't heard of it before, it's really a guy that, has just gone through since the combine started and has measured just about every guy that has come through and graded their measurables and performance at pro days combines and just said, okay, this is their score between one and 10. It's basically what it is. It's just a guy that's done it.
1: Yeah. And, and to give it just like a quick, you know, easy explanation, it's kind of just like, you know, with their weight and height considered too, you know, and and the way they're able to move like, how athletic are those guys, you know, and and that's where the R comes in, the relative. Um, But it's so, so like, obviously a a center isn't the most athletic person compared to a wide receiver, but they're able to score highly relative to other players at their position. Exactly. Um,
0: You did a much better job explaining that than I did.
1: Just trying to help you out, make simplify it for the dumber mind. I I was putting it in a lot of Um,
0: words and you, you just did a good job (laughs) there being like, all right,
1: yeah. And it's, it's one of those things the, the you talk about drafting traits, um, which has become more popularized seemingly for, you know, the NFL in general. But when you just look at this, this Joe Douglas, Robert Sala tenure, I mean, the jets very much like that is how they draft, you know, like they don't necessarily need to see all of the production
0: Mm-mm.
1: where um you know they will take their shots on a guy who's extremely athletic or a guy who has you know in free agency a guy who has a ton of potential but maybe hasn't hasn't come to fruition on the field things like that like this has been a um kind of consistent thing that this jet staff has done um which number one i love to just see the consistency cuz i love that it's just like some semblance of a plan and just yep. understanding like this is our process we're sticking to it yep. um But I also think it does, you know, obviously there can be swings and misses, but it does really provide that potential for ceiling for a lot of these players, because when you are at that athletic, you know, if you can refine your, your fundamentals and your, and your uh, technique and things like that, that's when you can really blossom into a, into a star.
0: Yeah. And, and I think some of the highest, you know, scores over the last few years, just taking a look at some of the big names, Becton was a a high score on RAS. Um, Sauce Gardner as well, too, tested extremely well. So, you know, there are those situations where, like you said, the guys don't pan out, but there's a, a huge, you know, amount of reasons. It could be the person himself. It could just be the situation. But really, you're just betting on your coaching staff to get the most out of a player that is considered maybe raw sometimes if, if the production hasn't matched. There are times where the production does match the score. But in these situations, especially with later round guys, taking a shot on a guy that is just a freak athlete, it's like, well, what can we mold him into? You know, that was one of the big things to switch this over to Jets uh, to Colts talk. When the Colts drafted Anthony Richardson at four, the first thing Chris Ballard said is we drafted him because of what we think he could be. For perspective, he was the number one graded uh, quarterback over the last thirty years in that RAS scoring system. So it was it was the fact of like we are drafting this person because what we believe we can turn him into, and I think that's what the Jets did with a lot of their picks, just to come back through a few. You know, and we'll talk about each guy specifically, but you know, just guys from this class. You know, Will McDonald the fourth, he graded nine point six six, which is the fifty sixth best score out of just about sixteen hundred and fifty defensive ends over the last thirty some years. Um, Bernard Converse 9.77 the late round corner was the number 51 best score out of 2200 cornerbacks uh, since 87 Abanaconda 9.63 66 best out of 1750 so I'm excited to say that name a lot yeah Um, how about this next one Um, Kunz scored a uh, (laughs) 10.0 I know it's (laughs) Kunst. Just it, gonna, I was
1: gonna say, I feel it's like it's Kuntz. Kuntz. It is. I'm, I'm That's gonna say Kuns, though. It's Kuntz. a funny one.
0: He scored a 10.0. He scored a 10.0. cons with a K scored a 10.0. Yeah. Go
1: ahead. That's excited. No, no, no. It's
0: just I was so excited had, to talk had, about had, all
1: these guys. Honestly,
0: he had the, the highest the tight
1: end infatuation with Jets fans was a little shocking to me. I mean, obviously, we didn't draft this guy super early. Um, waited till the seventh round, but. But I'm excited to talk about him and all these guys for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so, yeah, really betting on athlete traits there. Teddy, the only thing that I want to do, I want to tell you, because I told you, I told you last week, told you last week um, before we What'd get into the specific me? picks, I told you I was worried about that pick swap between 13 and 15. I was just like I'm I know worry. Well, this will get us right into it too. This will, yeah, because we can start into that. But Teddy, the 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 big thing. Everybody knew that the Jets were going to be looking at an offensive tackle at pick fifteen. Uh, they were going to be looking at offensive tackle at pick thirteen. They had to swap with the Packers as part of the Aaron Rodgers deal. And what happens on draft day? New England sitting there at fourteen. Pittsburgh, you know, the tackle run had already started. Darnell Wright went a lot higher than people thought. Paris Johnson had gone to the Cardinals. So you're really sitting there, and the tackle to get in the top twenty was Broderick Jones out of Georgia. And he was a guy that the Jets were very connected to. So what does New England do? They trade back a few spots. They let the Pittsburgh Steelers move up. who would you know, and then you just knew you were like, okay, well, they traded up to take Broderick Jones one pick before yeah, the yep. Jets. So the Patriots, you know, kind of stabbed us in the back there a little bit. Um, I had told you I was worried about it. It came to fruition. Take me your thoughts on when the trade happened and just like, damn, just missed out on it,
1: yeah. Well, it's funny because, because yeah, you were like, you were like, it sucks that the Patriots are right in front of us. And I was like, I could care less who the team is, (laughs) but part of it does feel like, you know, and you know, maybe the Steelers just knew that the jets were going to draft a tackle and wanted to go get the guy, but it does kind of feel like it was the Patriots being like, all right, we know the jets where the jets are going and, you know, let's go find someone else who needs a tackle (laughs) and, and, and get this deal done. Um, that obviously hurt. And, and I think, you know, I'm excited to talk about the Will McDonald pick. Um, and I do think a lot of people had had negative reaction to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even without the pick um, I think, you know, that trade happening and the way that the draft board fell, I mean, that was like the number one negative in this jets draft, you know, because Definitely. you had that, you had that, you know, pick swap from 13 to 15. It's the, the last final missing piece for Rogers, you know, and you're hoping that moving two back doesn't hurt you much. You're hoping you're still able to get your guy. Um, and it put him in an interesting situation because you knew, I mean, basically everyone has known this whole time, like there were four guys that could potentially go. And if any of them were available, the jets would probably take them. And then if those guys weren't available, it was kind of up in the air what the jets would do, what would do otherwise. So to, to really just, you know, you see that trade go through the one pick before your team, you, knew it. you, you knew know, it that saying. they're doing that for a reason, you know, and, and it's, it, it, it would, it would have been hard for the jets to kind of keep their plans secret because it was so obvious, right. It's like, you have these, these four high up offensive lineman prospects and you have a need, but, that feels like the biggest negative and the biggest misstep was just it being so obvious where the jets were going to go at 15, you know, that hurts because we weren't able to get the guy and address the number one position that they were hoping to address in offensive tackle.
0: And it's funny how stuff like this happens all the time. I remember a couple of years ago um, it was either the Cowboys or the giants. No, it was the giants wanted to select a receiver at pick 10. I think it was, and Philly and Dallas, they swapped picks because Philly wanted to receive yes, two. They this was jumped last in take, year, I think. It was to take Devonta Smith. I, so I think it, it was been Devonta
1: been, Smith year. So two years yeah, ago, two years ago, yeah. Right? So it,
0: it happens correct, all the time, right? and and there is some stuff where it's like yeah. in the division. You know that you can kind of fuck around and and kind of put your other teams that you're competing with for a playoff spot at a disadvantage. Um, so. It is funny to be on the receiving end. It's 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 a little extra funny that it is the Patriots and yes, the Jets do miss out on landing uh a, a tackle until day 3, but Teddy that you're right that does take us into the 15th overall pick because the Jets do go and land uh Will McDonald the 4th edge rusher out of Iowa State. Um you know, I I guess I was surprised by the pick. I here's my here's where I'll start. I think the Jets I'd love probably- to let you start. I think the Jets probably were sitting there at 15 with him off the board and tried calling every team in the league to possibly trade back because I think they were set on tackle. I think if they could have gotten into the 20s and taken a guy like Bergeron from Syracuse or any of these guys, these tackles that went later in the first round, I think that would have been a much more comfortable position for them there wasn't the demand to trade up in this draft. I mean, it, it was, it Arizona, even at three, was super lucky that they were able to get what they got from the Texans to go draft Will Anderson. Like, it was tough to trade up in this draft just because they're, or to trade back because there wasn't a lot of players that were worth trading up for. So I think the Jets probably spent a lot of time because you saw they were milking the fuck out of that clock when they were picking. They were trying to get a deal done. Nothing came to fruition. And look, I, I can't, I, I was surprised by the pick. Um, I think, you know, he he is a freaky athlete, good frame, good fit for the defense. We've talked about those wide nine guys in those sub pass uh, packages or those sub packages, uh, getting to the quarterback, betting on traits there. Um, the big 12, it is rare to get a big 12 defensive player taken in the first round. And, and, and that's, they, they just don't play defense in that. Conference. <laughs> I honestly
1: didn't even think about that. Yeah. They, that's they a good do point. <laughs>
0: not play defense in that conference. So it is funny to see a guy go and, and, and uh, kind of get to the jets here. Um, but he's a long twitchy guy. He's we've talked you know, Solo, we say it again and again, it's almost like every episode that they want to have basically two defensive lines on this roster um you know if you take a look at some of the things that aren't as great with him he's a little bit on the smaller side frame wise um doesn't lack you know he's lacking lower body strength doesn't have the pass rush move so it's it's what we were saying earlier with drafting athletes it was just like what can we turn will mcdonald into not great against the run it sounds to me just like we talked about this maybe as well too over the weekend it just sounds like jermaine johnson it's like oh did we did we draft jermaine johnson again um it was, you know, consensus, people had a a round two grade on him, saw in the range of like eight to 10 pass rushers where I saw him with most people. Um, obviously, teams view guys different than the analysts. So, you know, maybe he was going to be a first round pick regardless. Um, super raw guy, super new to football. They're betting on traits here and just saying that we could turn him into a great pass rusher. But I was a little bit surprised to see to see him be the name called at 15.
1: Yeah, um I definitely think that's fair. It was definitely not not the a chalk pick by any means or one that people were were expecting. Um jeez. I do definitely think like like you're 100% right. Like the Jets, you know, Broderick Jones goes off the board at 14 and the Jets then you know you could see it like we were watching it on the television they spent the entire 10 minutes or 15 minutes whatever it is on the phones and and i do think like clearly they were trying to make a deal and i just don't think they were offered the value that that they um that they wanted for it yeah um so clear like like to me the two biggest arguments against this pick that were, were negative is like number 1 it's a reach. A lot of people didn't have this guy expected to go this high. You maybe could have got him later, whatever. Um, and then the other one is, is like, you're drafting a guy at a position where you have other guys, you have starters. He's probably only going to play 15, 16% of the snaps. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden it's just like, you're drafting for the future when in a, in a year where we need to draft for 2023. Those are kind of the big like talking points. Um, and to, to be honest with you, it all really frustrates me. Um, I understand the, the idea that maybe it was a reach. I think that's fair if, if yeah. you know you sat down and and analyzed these players and decided, hey, I have this guy the 40th best player and they the, you know, took him at 50. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but what I say to that is like number one, that happens all the time where guys are overdrafted or underdrafted, and then it you it's completely different, um, depending on what happens. And then number two, it's like you you look around at the other players that were drafted in this first round and the players that were drafted after the jets it's like who are you going to take that was that surefire starter like any position that you drafted would have slotted in as a day one backup on the team so it, it it's just kind of like a lot of empty complaints of like mm-hmm. we could have we could have addressed this we could have addressed that and it's like well sure but even if we had drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba at wide receiver. It's like all of a sudden you're going to, you know, bench Alan Lazard to start Jackson Smith and Jigbo. You know what I mean? It's like you're not even if he is that guy, it's just to me, there was so many like there was no real clear like go get this guy. And that would have been a better pick. Um, So those kind of complaints just like rub me the wrong way.
0: And I do that. I do want to talk about the Jackson Smith, the Jigba pick, because that seemed to be the one that I saw the most of like, why didn't we take this guy? And as you can see the way they went throughout this draft, they're set at receiver. And that's something that I thought as well, too, for weeks now, like I looked at this depth chart I was like, I don't think you bring in Miko Hardman. I don't think you bring in Alan Lazard if you think that like we need to add a guy early in the draft as well, too, like. Smith and Jigba would have taken that Mecole Hartman role. And yes, Mecole probably doesn't have the upside that Jackson Smith and Jigba does. But I also think at the end of the day, you're just there's still holes on this team and you want the depth in the trenches and you could have addressed safety and linebacker. But those are positions as well, too. Look, safety and linebacker. I don't really take them in the first round anymore. It's kind of like a running back one. I think we saw one linebacker go in the first round this year. Zero safeties went in the first round this year. So even at that point, like you're saying, yeah, the Jets had other positions of need where you could have addressed instead of just taking a guy that's going to be a pass rusher primarily and play what you said, like 15% of snaps, but not at, the, not at 15, not in the first round, not when you've got a guy that does have traits there. So no, I don't, I don't hate the pick. I was surprised by the pick. There are edge rushers that I think people liked a little bit more, you know, like a Nolan Smith who falls to pick 30 and whatnot. And, and there could have been different reasons for that as well too, but it's just like, at least they stuck to, to what they believe in trait wise. They added to a position that, you know, that he's going to get utilized at some point throughout the season. And yeah, you didn't get your tackle, but I I agree. Wide receiver linebacker safety. I I wouldn't have taken any of them at 15.
1: Yeah. And, and number one, I think it's interesting. Like no other address rushers were taken until Nolan Smith, which was pretty late. And that was a guy who was projected to be a high pick and, and, you know, obviously fell for some reason whether yep. that was his, you know, the NFL's evaluation of him or some off the field thing. Um, so that's, that's the one you kind of got to watch. Like, should we have taken him instead? Because exactly. You know, Will McDonald might've gone at 30 if the Jets didn't take him or whatever. Right. Um, but I also want to push back on the idea that like this number one, it's like, yes, we have a good team finally. And we have good players. And yes, you want to draft for 2023, but it's like the jets are going to be here in 2024 and they're going to have to put a a good team out on the field. So the fact that this, this staff is thinking ahead should not be pointed to as a negative. Um, And my other thing is like, it's this edge room, like Carl Lawson has been good, not great. Jermaine Johnson has, you know, showed some flashes, but really didn't like do anything to establish himself. Bryce Huff has been great, but you know, is that kind of late round guy who's outperformed, but isn't necessarily a full-time starter. You know, it's like, this is such an important position on the football field. You really get to the quarterback, you have to be able to pass rush off the edge, like adding guys that are going to be able to step in at any time, you know, like I'm never gonna, gonna argue that. So the fact that the jets, you know, weren't able to go out and get one of those top four linemen get an offensive tackle, who again would have been a depth piece like Broderick Jones would not have been a day one starter on this team. Um, It's just like for them to go out and address edge. Sure. Maybe it's a reach. I don't know. We'll see. But I like the idea of it at least of like, let's go get this athletic long guy who's, you know, I I just imagine those long arms reaching around and pulling down a quarterback, you know? So I think it's an okay move. Obviously it's like you want the story is always like, Oh, these first round's, players should be day one starters. But then at the same time it's like 50% of first rounders are busts. So so it's kind of like this weird convoluted thing where the value versus what it is more realistic is kind of not in line.
0: Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I it's funny too. I I saw this in kind of news and notes about him. Started playing football as a junior. he's been playing football for 5 years. He started <laughs> playing football as a junior in high school. Pretty crazy. So there there could be a lot of untapped stuff Wow. Yeah, I um yeah, I was I, I I don't know. Where was I gonna go? There was something else I was gonna say, and I just completely lost my my train of thought on it. Oh, that's a bummer. I
1: don't, I don't know. know. I'll so say I'm one McDonald's. more thing. Go ahead. If we if we have Maybe a project type of guy, at least we got Robert Sala to to you know be the okay. one coaching him up. Um
0: you know, we'll see. We'll see what this yeah. kid's got. We will, will see. McDonald. I like McDonald's. Yeah. Teddy, uh, to, to kind of transition into the the next pick for the New York Jets as well, too. Yeah, go ahead. You got something?
1: Well, just to help you transition a little, like Let's this hear- is where you know we we talked about this in the in the off season of like like so many. It, it felt like the Jets have to go tackle with this first pick. Like, how could they not address the offensive line? It's the biggest need, whatever. Like. This is the classic. It's like, oh, they didn't address offensive line, but then it's like, okay, but they did with their next two picks. So so whether you got that dominant surefire guy, like maybe not, but the Jets did come out of here and it's not like they neglected, you know, the offensive line. They were able to add guys. And this next pick that we got in round two is a guy I'm I'm pretty excited about.
0: Yeah, and something that people had been saying for like we had said how do the Jets not take a ta- the Jets are going to take a tackle at 15. People and I specifically was, was like it in this round 2 pick is going to be used on a center. And sure enough it was Joe Tipman out of Wisconsin goes in there. Um he's the pick there at 43. Um just a little bit of pros and cons. He's he's got great fit for this offense, wide zone, uh really great for his footwork, comfortable uh, with that in college as well too at Wisconsin. He's a great fit for this offensive line. He's a great athlete, uh good footwork, reach, um, and then was kind of one of the highest graded character guys as well too in the draft. Um it's funny, I saw this when taking a look at some cons for him. He's considered too tall for the center position, which is just funny, yeah, which then comes in with the that. lower center six, of gravity. Six. Um, So he's a big boy there as well, too. Pad level is a little too high because of that as well, too, especially when you're dealing with those small three techs that are kind of – or sorry, that are putting themselves in between the – um, not in three techs um, – your nose tackles there as well too, and the low center of gravity there, and he does have uh, some banged up shoulders as well too. So that'll be something to keep an eye on as well too. A couple of labrum surgeries, a few other procedures done there as well too. Um, here's the That's pick. Fun. It's a center. How excited are you about you know? Hopefully the the franchise center for a guy that could be around like ideally for a no yeah else? this
1: this is this is a big one you know, and this almost it gets a little more draw and than that first round pick. Um, mm-hmm. Um, he's the highest drafted center by the Jets since Nick Mangold in 26 or in 2006 when they took him, uh, at, at 29. So that's what you're hoping for. You know, you're hoping that you drafted this guy who's going to be able to step in and just be this long, consistent starter. Um, it was definitely interesting. You know, he was taken, um, and the other guy, um, Michael Schmitz, I'm blanking on his first game. And it might not even We've be. We've talked Michael. about it. it's something. The guy change. with three names, Schmidt's. Yeah. Um was a guy. But but really him and Titman were the two guys that I had most often seen as kind of like the top centers. Um, so either one of them I would have been fine with. The Jets clearly like Titman better. So they went and got their guy. Um yeah, I'm excited. I, I like that he, you know, has the long arms. Um, I like that he, you know, has that offense or athletic ability and, and is able to kind of like move out and run um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how this goes down because he, he doesn't need to start right away. Right. You, you just signed Connor McGovern. Um, but obviously I think best case scenario for the jets is this guy goes out and just wins the job and says, Hey, I'm going to do this, but um, you know, really good pick. Hopefully it hits obviously, but, but at least for the time being, I think it's, it's kind of a home run of a pick.
0: I think he's gonna win the starting job. I think he's gonna be the week one center. I really do. I just okay, I, I think the, the McGovern signing was more out of not like a desperation because obviously he's been with the franchise and he's done work with them before as well, too. But I think after you know, Ben Jones, considering the retirement, you know, not really fully committed to playing football, I think they just brought back McGovern just out of the like, wow, we don't really have a center on this roster here. But Titman Yeah, they'll they'll say it's a condition or a competition. They'll have to earn his job just like everybody else on the roster. But I I would be surprised if he's not the starting center week one, just because of the fact that, like you said, you know, some of these guys at center is one of those positions now, too, where you're not really taking them early on in the draft and they kind of fall into these early day two picks. I think he's a guy that could be a capable starter right away. He's got a ton of experience. You know, that conference and Wisconsin as well, too, does a good job breeding offensive linemen. Um, so yeah, I, I do think at the end of the day he's he's a guy that A fits the offense really well, two has some really good measurables as well, too. and and three, I think, you know, as long as the connection and with Rodgers goes well, because you know, Rogers is gonna, you know, have a lot of say into what center is out there for him. Um, but I would be surprised almost if 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 Titman isn't the starting center week one.
1: Yeah, and just to um of point out another consistency he is a he is a lineman who the jets drafted who's a guy who has shown a lot of versatility and, and has played guard as well as center um which i think you know they've clearly targeted guys like that um who can yeah. play multiple positions and you know it does just kind of give you a little bit of peace of mind when you think about like all the injuries that can go down you know if, if the five best players involves him moving to guard and, and McGovern coming in at center or like some type of shuffling, at least just knowing he has some history doing that and has seen success, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people draft analysts, you know, thought he like projects better as a guard than a center. So it's one of those things where like, just to give even that little bit more peace of mind of like, okay, we added this guy, but he can plug in kind of where we need him is, is, Another good move.
0: And that was one of the big things I think with his pre-draft process was making sure that the that everybody knew. Cause like I I think I saw it was like ninety-seven or ninety-eight percent of his snaps playing in games where it's sounded, but he would play practices at guards and at, at pro days. He was showing off and and, and in the um yeah, yeah. off season workouts was showing his ability to slot in at guard too. So you're right. At the end of the day, you with the offensive line, you want the five best guys on the field and God forbid tackle injuries happen. And all of a sudden you say you have to put AVT at another tackle spot or Lakin goes down. Like there's a whole bunch of different ways where things get messy here. So you're right. Having guys that can at least play a few different positions at the same time um, is super helpful for a team that, needs 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 number one goal is to have a, a strong starting five in front of number eight next season um so i love the pick as well too i think we all knew it was coming uh you know people had argued which center it was going to be but to get titman there is it's it's a great pick
1: yeah i think the name was what was you know surprising but not not the position
0: yeah, yeah exactly All right, Teddy. So were you surprised at all, I guess, by the lack of movement for them to get back into day two? Because really from here on out, we're going to talk about these other guys, but it was a lot of round four, five, six and seven. Um, I thought maybe at the end of the day, they try and sneak into the third round at some point, just because when I heard a lot of analysts talk about this draft, it was round one, fine round you know day three fine but you're going to get some really good value guys in rounds two and three and Tittman is going to be one of those guys but were you surprised by the jets not being a little bit more active because I, I i i thought they might try and sneak back into the third round at some point
1: yeah it, it, it's you know to me if i saw that happening i would have thought it would have happened with one of those first two picks you know like moving yeah. back okay. and getting yeah. something like uh, that yeah that's a good um, point. Just because you know the jets have been on this run the last few years they've had all these picks and part of that was giving up future picks and part of it is just you know it's kind of like a different stage for them uh in in the development of the team. I guess I'm not surprised when I when I think of this jets team and and really with this draft overall like the jets team, isn't really screaming for starters. You know what I mean? It's like, no. obviously, there's places that, that we could upgrade and, and have better players, but it's not like, oh, we need to get a guy that can plug in here to be a star. Like, there's not. So, I think just like the ability to draft for depth and the ability to say, you know, in the past two years, we haven't seen any seventh or sixth, or maybe we've seen one sixth rounder, no seventh rounders the past couple of years this year they were more content to kind of sit back and say, we'll just kind of pick our guys as, as we get these later picks. So, you know, definitely interesting to see, but surprising. I don't really think so just because of where this roster is, they're not really hunting for guys who they get, they're hoping to to come out on the scene right away. They, they're kind of content with, okay, we have the roster that we need. We'll build depth, get a couple guys for the future. Um, so yeah, interesting, but, but I wouldn't say totally surprising. Do you feel different? Were you kind of, I guess you I did just, say you were expecting that. Well,
0: I guess I just would have thought, uh, just when I hear just like the fact that it wasn't, like you said, I didn't think they were going to find starters, at, you know, and maybe they did find one with Titman here as well, too, in round two. But I didn't, I, I just thought that the value of this draft was looked at as rounds two and three. And and they got great value guys in day three as well, too. But if you were looking to tinker at linebacker or, or bring in, yeah. you know, another state, like there was a good run of some, some solid guys rounds two and three.
1: I think about, um, So like with their fourth round pick, we'll talk about in a second, they, they drafted a tackle, uh, in Carter Warren. Like, I think, and, and, you know, if I knew the draft a little bit better and deeper, maybe I would have a different perspective, but it's like, say they gave, gave up another pick or a future pick to move up into that third round. Would they have been able to get a guy that's that much better that projects or, you know, at that point, it's still kind of question marks. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: maybe that's something in the favor.
0: Yeah. Well, Teddy, you know, to move into their day three picks, they go back to back guys out of out of the University of Pittsburgh here, offensive tackle and running back. I want to give a quick shout out to to Frank Signetti, Jr., head coach uh, over there at Pittsburgh. His brother, Kurt Signetti, head coach of James Madison football and uh, their oh, father, God. their father, the late great Frank Signetti, which is one of the historic college football coaches that we've seen over the last 50 or so years, really well-respected guy. He, he did a lot of work with Saban at one point. Um, but, yeah, I just want to give a little shout-out there to the Signetti family because there's some there's some good dudes out there. Um, but round love four, that, they go that. Carter Warren, offensive tackle out of pit. Round five, pick 143, they go Izzy, uh, Abani Konda. I got to get used to it. I'll get used to it, Abani Konda. Um, Two guys out of the pit offense. And Teddy, if we want to start with Carter Warren, this, this is a big boy. This is a big bad motherfucker. Freaky we, uh, wingspan, big boy. Um, you know, still is one of those guys, like we were saying, and we'll say this with a few guys here needs to refine his technique a little bit when it comes to playing the game of football balance, hand placement, speed rushers in the NFL might be a problem for him early on. He is coming off of meniscus tear that, um, was suffered early and they're in the middle parts of the college football season. So he wasn't able to do any off season, you know, pro day combine stuff like that. He did show up to the jets local day, which I saw you put down there as well too, but obviously was dealing with an injury throughout all of that, um, you know my my one joke was we go back to back picks here with offensive linemen that have injuries while we have offensive linemen on the roster that are always dealing with injuries <laughs> we just have fucking healthy offensive linemen for the goddamn new york jets there's no such thing no there's no, no such, such thing, thing. <laughs> um a- any anything that stands out super big with you about warren i saw from most people that he projects as more of a swing tackle just given his size and his ability to add in that third tackle guy early on at least while he kind of develops an, yeah. into a more refined player where he you know at the end of the day you want him to be a depth guy um with with some upside hopefully but uh, any any thoughts one way on carter warren
1: yeah i mean uh, like you said i mean it kind of fits what the jets like right he, he's athletic he's big um i did think it was interesting he's he's one of these guys like when you read up on him uh, a lot of people say like like he's pretty good in the past rushing game he's got to improve prove blocking in the run game was that the story with with Max Mitchell last year or was it flipped? Do you remember? Like it, I Max just feel like Max wasn't refined guys, in the always, passing game. Max wasn't was refined. He didn't, have, he didn't have he didn't have the better. pass blocking. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, it, it's interesting to to see these kind I'm of wrong. later guys. I'm and, wrong.
0: I'm wrong. He had great wrong. footwork. He had great footwork and hands. It was the technique that was, was in and it was the kind in of the the running strength game, that right? was wrong. Yep, yep, yep. You're right.
1: Yeah. So it's just interesting. It's the same kind of like type of draft player, right? Like, like, like you draft a later offensive lineman who needs to improve kind of running game and, and, you know, their lower body, get their strength up, things like that. Um, So I thought that was kind of an interesting connection to make, but you know, he's going to slot in as the the fourth or fifth tackle on the team, um, you know, with, with Mackay and Dwayne Brown and Max Mitchell. And then you have Um, the, the guy we just signed in, in, uh, what's his name, Billy Turner. Um, so it'll be interesting, you know, it's a guy who hopefully can have some potential and, and would be awesome if he could, if he could like make some strides and, and be relevant, kind of similar when Max Mitchell was a guy we expected to be able to really go out and and look okay in his first year. But when, when push come to shove, he, he was able to. Um, The only real other note I have for this guy, it's just something I like to see. Like with lineman, he was a four-year starter. He started 39 games throughout his career. Like, just a lot of experience there, a lot of a lot of time out on the field, um, which I think is important for linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, no huge takeaways, I guess. No, I'm excited about this. These late-round one. picks are dart throws. Yeah,
0: but I'm excited about. You're this excited about one. our boy Izzy, dude. He is a fucking highlight reel man. You put the ball in his hands and he's a fucking cannon, dude. Okay, so I, I my biggest note was just like he's a fucking weapon. He's got great vision, um, great burst, footwork, and that top gear that you see on those breakaway touchdowns is just fantastic. Um, he provides value on special teams. I would say if, if, you know, if we're sitting there and he's battling out for that RB three or RB four spot on the final depth chart, he's got an upper hand because he can provide that value as a kicker punt returner, which is huge for these late round guys. Show me that you can do something on special teams and, and you'll, you'll get a good fight for that final roster spot, even if you're, you know, more of a depth piece than anything. So love that. Obviously the the downside with him is his frame and his ability to take on contact, um, I, I, I was just dreaming if you could combine his abilities with Michael Carter's abilities. You know, Michael Carter is just that fucking bowling ball that bounces off of everybody but doesn't have that breakaway speed. If you could just take that ability and give it to Izzy or give Izzy's speed to Michael Carter, like you'd have a freak show running back there because both games kind of almost opposite each other so well there. But, um, you know, super excited to see, uh, you know, him take on this role and fight for this RB2-3 spot here because, um, like I said, he's a weapon. And he's going to be exciting for Nathaniel Hackett if he can find a way to get him on the field. Obviously, you know, I saw some um, some a little bit of fumbling problems as well, too, in college. So that's not going to earn the trust really early on if you're if you're muffing up the ball in practice or in these preseason games with the offense. So that's going to be important to keep an eye on as well, too. But um, he's a highlight reel. And it, what I liked also about him before I pass it over to you is Pittsburgh. The last two seasons had to do a huge switch in their offensive identity. You know, two years ago with Kenny Pickett there at quarterback, they were a very pass happy team. And he did most of his work in the screen game and they really weren't run based, but this past year they put him in and they, they reestablished the run game and he really took off as well too. So it's nice to see his ability in both, you know, he doesn't really have the the most polished route tree. He was mostly used in the screen game there for Kenny Pickett and and in this past season as well too, but just love to see that the offense changed, you know, with him and he was still able to turn out production, which is, which is uh, really good at that position.
1: Yeah, that's that's honestly a super awesome thing to point out, just to show his kind of ability to to be flexible. Um I I love to see your excitement about him for sure. It's fun, um, fun players. And, man. and and I like the process in terms of this, this because, you know, not any shade of Brees Hall. I'm happy we took Brees Hall where we did, but it does kind of feel like this is like the correct place to take running backs, you know? Mm-hmm. Like just draft a running back in the fifth or sixth round every year and yeah. and hopefully you'll get a couple guys who can who can step onto the scene, even if it's only for a year or two. Um, I do think it's funny. It's just like, it's another name kind of put in, obviously you're going to have Brees at the top, but then it's Michael Carter, Zonovan, um, and, and Izzy really, it's, it'll be these three guys kind of battling it out for, for who can, uh, who can be the guy. Um, a couple of things that stand out to me when I look at this guy, which is, is I think exciting. Um, number one, you were just talking about it, the breakaway speed. Brees has that. He has that big playability. He's awesome. But Michael Carter definitely does not have that. Mm -hmm. Zonovan Knight kind of doesn't really have that. Got caught from behind a few times last year. Like to see them just kind of go address that and say like, we want to get a guy who actually has this in his bag. um, I, I, I like to see also just a couple things to point out. I mean, his production this last year was was unbelievable. Um, at Pitt, he had over fourteen hundred yards, twenty touchdowns.
0: They they um, they really told him they were like, "All right, we just had our quarterback draft in the first round, and we are a very pass happy team. We need to put the ball in your hands. You're going to need to help yeah, us out yeah. on offense."
1: And you know, I think that's awesome. Production in general is something that that production in college is something that's used to, to really project out how these guys are going to be in the NFL. It's, it's, it's something that, that matters, you know, statistically and specifically uh, rushing touchdowns, which a lot of people, you know, you wouldn't expect because touchdowns in the NFL, especially are such a kind of random stat where it just kind of depends on who they get it. You could have a great running back score three touchdowns on the year or 20, you know, but touchdowns in college is a stat that for whatever reason has been really sticky at being able to predict NFL success. So seeing that and then another stat that's been well predicting is um guys who are active in the in the return game in college. Just, you know, something something about that those guys are able to to succeed in the NFL. Maybe it's just, you know, they're dynamic players so their college players want it, their college coaches want them out there more, whatever. Um, but that's just two things right there. It's like a fifth round running back. It's not shocking to see a guy like that be pretty good. And you have those kind of two, two, um, you know, positive stats. And then you also look, yeah, he's a little small, but he's 5'10, 216. I mean, that, that's really not all that small for a running back. He's over that 200 pound mark, which is pretty important. Um, so I'm excited about this guy. I would love, I mean, I like Michael Carter, but I'd love to see this guy kind of take the reins as the number two. Um, but hopefully, it's just one of those battles where it's like one of them is really good and wins, yeah. at, as opposed to both kind of being mediocre.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I think you know the weight is there. I just he gets he gets roughed up. He he definitely doesn't yeah. do well with contact. Um, when I watch some of the highlight tapes on him, it, it's very reminiscent to me. And I don't think he's as polished of a receiver. Uh, he's good with the ball in his hands, but it reminds me a lot of Naeem Hines where it's like he gives you production on special teams. He's that quick, that top gear, man. I mean, Naeem was a, a, a all conference sprinter in like hurdles four by one in college at NC State. Like he was a dog, had that top gear, uh, good with the ball in his hands. Great vision, like great vision, uh, has a great feel for the game. So they, they reminisce. Uh, they seem very similar to me where it's like, no, he's not going to be your top end one, you know, RB one cowbell. But change of pace guy a guy that can come in um and make plays for you they're gonna need playmakers in this offense you need playmakers out of the running back position obviously Brees will be working his way back in from an injury but um you know when he gets back to full strength he'll be the guy but you can't have enough playmakers on offense and and he seems like a guy that could really turn into something that would be a really good role piece um in the backfield for the Jets yeah Uh, any anytime
1: your team drafts a running back he's going to be like a fan favorite, you know, like yeah. we all got excited about Michael P Ryan. Y'all got excited about Mike <laughs> did Carter. I really? got excited about, about Michael like, Carter. Yeah, sure. we did.
0: Well, We're all going to be
1: excited. Um, hey, this is going to be a Florida fun or it's gonna, round pick.
0: It's going to be a really fun camp battle to watch at the running back position for that, that fringe role. Cause they're not going to keep all four guys yeah, yeah. on the roster. They'll, they'll keep it at three. So it'll be interesting to see which one guy. And like I said, When you're a coaching staff and you're fighting for one of those final spots and you're taking a look at guys, if you're a guy that is contributing on special teams, you are going to get the upper hand just because that's a pivotal role, but he can do multiple things there. So um, good for him to already have some solid experience there as a returner as well, too. Um, Moving along, Teddy, uh, you know, we've got three more picks in round six. They go defense twice here. They go uh, Zaire Barnes, linebacker out of Western Kentucky, um, and then 20 picks later, they go with uh, Jarek Bernard Converse, uh, defensive back out of LSU. Um, both of them. Hey, Teddy, guess what? Both of them played safety at different points in their careers. Uh, Uh, Zaire, Zaire Barnes Barnes was a safety in high school before transitioning to linebacker at Western Kentucky. Uh, big, big report on him. High IQ player, good speed. He is also a special teams contributor. A little bit of knee injury history. He had a torn ACL in college as well too. Um, and finish up tackling could polish up tackling a little bit, but um, you know, when I saw a lot of guys, this is a funny conversation that, uh, that is a whole thing with the draft. Now um, a couple of these guys that we have here, we're kind of taking a look as like, Oh, they'll probably be undrafted free agents here, but NFL teams now, Are starting to take those guys in the draft because undrafted guys are starting to make so much fucking money that it's like, I'd rather just get this guy in the building and know I've got control because now guys are in bidding wars, you know, Malik Cunningham quarterback at a Louisville got 200 grand to go to the uh, to sign to a camp invite with the Patriots. Like these guys that are going undrafted now are making more money than guys in the sixth and seventh round, which is unfortunate uh, because you also have your freedom to choose. But it now There's is more battle guys... for him,
1: though. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So now it's turning into situations where guys like Zaire Barnes, who people really did look at as a guy that would go undrafted and same with Bernard Converse they're just taking them so they can make sure that they've got them in the building at the end of the day. So, um, you know, that's, that seems, you know, like the uh, guy that look linebacker, we said we'd want the jets to address at that position. We've still been swinging and missing on a few positions uh, there and the depth as a whole. Um, And then, you know, Bernard Converse as well, too, is another guy that was like a freak athlete, long, fluid, a ton of game experience. He's played nickel. He's played outside. He's played safety. Um, You know, he's, he's needs to be a little bit, better in pass coverage it seems like um but you know two guys there anything on either of them you know like i said we're getting into the sixth round here but anything stand out about either of these guys
1: no yeah well the first thing i want to say and again it's just kind of it's fun to as we go through these years kind of see these like general themes but once we're in these later rounds it's like the jets have no problem drafting like special teams guys, you know? No. And I don't think that's the worst strategy to say, you know, should we get a player who's probably going to be like a third string guy, or should we get a player who's going to be a third string guy? And we know is going to be able to contribute somewhat on special teams. And that's where things, you know, like speed, like high IQ, like, you know, some of these traits that we're talking about, those things can really come to fruition on pump return, kick return, pump block, whatever. Um, so, you know, to talk about Zaire Barnes for a sec, I like that he's an IQ player. I like the linebacker. It it it's a strong pick, so we'll see. Um, for for Bernard Converse, defensive back out of LSU, number one defensive back out of out of LSU. DBU, school, DBU, low key. He did transfer
0: um, later on, so he, he wasn't there. He went. No, there that's for okay. His final season. That's okay. Okay, okay.
1: that's okay. Um. It's like uh it's like people who say Joe Burrow was a quarterback at, at Ohio State. At Ohio you know? State. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> but what so like we drafted Jarek Bernard Converse. And the first thing I do is I look up Jarek Bernard Converse and you know, looking over different draft profiles and stuff. Um, and, and it 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 clearly it's like his best ability is tackling and run stopping, and it's not yeah. so much the coverage. Um via nfldraftbuzz.com which not sure how how uh, reliable they are but they said he has a 94.1 qbr when targeted which is like really bad like qbr is out of 100 so if that's true (laughs) that's not good um but with that being said like i don't expect this guy to be you know really getting reps at cornerback especially you think about our cornerback room um, a lot of people are saying this is kind of like the end of Bryce Hall or Bryce Hall because we t- took this guy. I look at this guy as like we took him because we want him to play special teams. We want him to tackle on kick return and punt return. Um, I don't really expect him to get a ton of, of burn. Um, that's kind of my take. You're giving me a look. What's going I'll on? I'll be honest.
0: I didn't even remember that Bryce Hall was still on the team that's that's how far Dude, removed Bryce, I Hall, was is from that Bryce Hall that's how far removed I've been from Bryce Hall I was like I was like oh shit he is still around yeah I I think at the end of the day, I mean you're, you're throwing darts at six round picks I, I just googled Bryce, Bryce
1: Hall to like pull him up and it pulled up the TikTok up. guy it's the other Bryce Hall there's a speaking yeah, cool. of which
0: while we're while we're here talking about TikTok boys uh Taylor Hold- Holden Holder uh he he was a tiktok boy he's now a country guy and uh i was at a country festival last night and he was one of the acts there so good for him really yep he's That's doing really country wild. music and he was performing at whiskey jam last night so good for him he opened up for kobe calais uh, with a special performance by gavin degraw quite a time
1: i saw Free kobe concert. calais live in like third Free grade. Concert.
0: Concert. Hey, she she did bubbly. That's cool. That was all I was looking forward to. Is is her yeah bubbly? And she did Wow. And then yeah. Gavin DeGraw came out. Yeah, it was a good time. Jelly Roll was there. Do you know Jelly Roll I was? love Gavin
1: DeGraw. Do you know yeah, Jelly Roll? I know the name. I'm not sure. Yeah. I know exactly he's, who
0: that is. He's a character. He's a character. Anyways, we're not talking about whiskey jam or Nashville music. Uh, yeah. Look. It's the sixth round. You're drafting athletes here. You're, you're drafting athletes with upside yeah. special teams contributions. Yeah, no. I I always I was trying to think about the 94.1, how that number could get skewed. You know, if you're a depth piece in the SEC, maybe you're not out there a ton, and then it's just like you're always the guy that is kind of just getting torched at the end there. Like, what if Bryce Young just had, like, two plays where he burned him, you know, and next thing you know, it's like that inflates that number because he. I'm sure he's not getting a ton of reps there on defense. But –
1: um, yeah it was just a weird weird thing to read because that's you know seemingly not very good but sounds it sounds
0: hey he sounds like he fits in perfectly in the safety room for the new york jets so great at tackling not great in pass protection congratulations uh yeah. Jared <laughs> God damn. You, you are a new york jet yeah uh, teddy Large
1: my about... headlight.
0: Yeah, let's... yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Teddy, let's finish off the show talking about some good old cunts. Zach cunts, tight end, old Dominion. I'm gonna <laughs> have to stop doing that after this episode.
1: <laughs> we can have a little bit of fun. It's <laughs> yeah. a funny name.
0: <laughs> a, I go pros. I go name. Freak uh, athlete. Jersey.
1: I'll tell you. Yeah, that we. Right we <laughs>
0: Um, he was a guy that kind of stole the show at the combine along with Anthony Richardson. It was like, holy shit, this guy is unbelievable at the tight end position, takes on contact as well, too. So he's a big guy there. Um, you know, unrefined as it comes to playing football is probably the biggest critique of him. It's like he's an athlete, but he also struggles in route running, in pass blocking, in you know, catching the ball in traffic. (laughs) So it's all like it's all like, hey, you're a fantastic athlete. What can we turn you into here? Going to be a fun addition to the tight end room, um, especially in camp. Obviously, you know, you, you can't be sure that he's going to necessarily make the roster by any means as a seventh round pick. But it's not like the tight end room is is, you know, a, a guaranteed lock where we're going to be keeping all three guys that are currently ahead of him. Um, obviously, Uzama and and uh, and and uh, Conklin already have their jobs solidified. But, you know, if you're competing for that tight end three job with the Ohio State boy whose name I uh, is escaping me right now, you got me tipped. Jeremy Rucker. Jeremy Rucker, thank you. Who I I really didn't. I, I feel like we didn't hear too much of this past season. I mean, that's going to be the competition. It's not bad no, to have four tight ends not. on the roster. But uh, any thoughts on 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 cons here at pick two hundred? Yeah,
1: I mean, I, barring this guy getting a uh, getting cut, I would I would anticipate all four guys to make the roster. I mean, tight end is one of those positions where you can be versatile. It's easy to put you on. You know. Yeah. Uh, PAT, it's easy to put you on, on block, kick return, stuff like that. Um, I'm fine with this pick. It's like we addressed tight end, which a lot of people thought that the Jets were going to do in this draft. Um, and, you know, it's it was a tight end, heavy class with a lot of guys that that people like are, are excited about. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about like, like after the first round, and we're talking about where we're going to go with this day two pick a lot of people were saying like like oh i want center or whatever or mayor who is yeah. that other tight end like he ended Notre up being Dame the second tight tight end, end taken off the board that just made like absolutely no sense to me that the jets would go out with their second pick and just draft a tight end after drafting one last year in the third round and signing two guys uh in free agency like that was just so absurd to me. I was just getting so mad that so many people were saying that. Obviously, the yeah. Jets didn't draft a tight end in the second round. Um, but so, yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. I mean, I, I, it's one of those things where it's like Conklin and Uzama are both probably not going to be here the next year. Or if they are, they'll probably just like get their one-year option picked up. They're not going to probably be re-signed to a long-term deal. I mean, maybe Conklin... But Uzama is like 30-something, 30 34, 35. Um, he's a pretty old dude. So it is, a you know, best-case scenario for, for this team is you hope that uh, uh, Rucker and, and, and Koontz can really step it up and kind of be that duo. But, again, it's a seventh-round pick, so you just kind of have to hope for the best with him. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he sticks, I guess, because it would be pretty easy for him to just fall by the wayside not really get a lot of burn um and then you know just kind of fall off.
0: He's the ultimate like development, you know, guy, but also tight end yeah. is one of those positions where none of these guys that are drafted are going to be studs day 1. So this was a this was a a tight end class where people were really excited about a lot of guys and this was a guy that was projected as like an early day yeah. 3. Um so I mean, the value here could be tremendous when it's all said and done. Obviously, there's a lot of work ahead of him, but he does have the tools where it's like, what can the coaching staff do with him? How can Yuzoma and and these other guys kind of help him ease into the game here in the NFL because he's got a lot of work to do, but really exciting as a player. So. Yeah, you know, I think that sums up basically just about everything we had said at the beginning where it wasn't a class that we were super excited about, but it wasn't like the Jets came out here and just laid up a goose egg. You know, there's some players to be, you know, a little bit excited about some guys that we have to cross our fingers on, but, you know, all in all address positions that we thought they were going to address. It wasn't maybe in the spots that we thought, but, you know, I think we can spend maybe next episode of the episode after taking a look at this Jets roster as a whole and being like, all right, what still needs work. Um, but I think they did a good job addressing certain, certain different needs here. Definitely.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a, a weird draft. Definitely just in, in terms of, you know, kind of the talent at the top and, and the unpredictability of everything. Um, but, you know, it's fun to watch Will McDonald highlights. At least that's yeah. a positive. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up for today. Teddy, I do have one more thing. Uh, you know, currently uh, we're taping this late Tuesday night. Um, Aaron Rodgers has showed up to two Knicks games. Obviously, they lose game one of the Heat. They're currently down in the early How parts of right the now? third yeah. quarter. Down a 56-51, 53 now. Brunson just hit a floater. But if, if Aaron Rodgers starts this off and is just kind of crippled, next here for me i don't know who i'm gonna blame more rogers or frank the tank but it's it's one of the two it's either the fleming curse you give that or one rogers to frank curse. the tank and i'm, I'm pretty frustrated <laughs> right here i'll be honest with you because i got no jimmy butler and, and we're down three and i'm just mad but uh yeah hey, I three guess isn't that's... bad
1: let's go hopefully everyone yeah. listening is like don't worry they won don't yeah worry. they won
0: by the time you're hearing but... this they definitely won they just tied it up so you know things are fine i'm gonna be happy again things are gonna be right in the world Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Chasing 1969, a New York Jets podcast. We will talk to you guys next week, but before then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore Chasing69. Same as the YouTube Teddy at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Spring Blake. Teddy, how many A's in that bitch?
1: Four A's in that
0: bitch. Four A's in that bitch. Thank you guys so much for listening, um, and we will talk to you next week. Peace.